1: Hello and welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast. I'm Andrew Musgrove and it's time for a match preview. Newcastle head down to new to face Wolves in what is a must-win game for Newcastle United, who are still searching for their first victory of the Premier League season. As usual, I'm joined by John Gibson. And John, it is... What I think is a must-win game. I don't think Newcastle can head into the middle of October without a victory. We're already heading into October without a victory. We don't want to go into that
0: international break, do we, without a win? Well, absolutely so. I think we said last week that the next two games, which was Watford and Wolves, Newcastle have got to aim for six points, but they've got to get at least four well, we got the one, so we need three there, and we do because the international break things fester for a fortnight if we haven't won, Um because it, you know, if you take the league cup situation in as well, uh, it is dire. It festers, and then the programme we've got immediately after the international break is not good. The sides we play, we've had a, a, an easy ride outside of Manchester United and possibly. West Ham an easiest ride till now and haven't produced a win so it's got to be at Wolves I think there's absolutely no question about that the whole the world doesn't end if it's not but we are beginning to make life very very difficult there's no question about that <coughs> when you think Spurs to come and Chelsea at home Spurs aren't what they were but they've still got Song and Kane so you always worry and um, Brighton are doing great, Brentford only lost once, etc, etc. It's going to get mighty tough.
1: And let's say Newcastle lose against Wolves on Saturday. How do you think that affects the players going into what will be a fortnight's break?
0: Oh, I mean, you know, it's almost unthinkable to say they don't lose. They, they lose, they've got to at least draw. But a draw's not good enough. A draw is the traditional result against Wolves. But it's not good enough because of what's to come. Um, they really, really need to win this. But losing it would be horrendous. Um, because you have a... Self-confidence has just got to disappear completely if the loser Wolves. I mean, it's going to be pretty low anyway uh, and the worry is you know it's all right like steve bruce or anyone else saying we ought to have won it at watford and we had enough chances to win three games correct but what is terrifying is they could only put that 20 shots they only could put one in the back of the net that there was an old sage used to talk to me when i was a young whippersnapper and say gibbo it, missing chances is as much bad play as leaking them at the other end or not creating them in midfield it is bad play super mac used to say that you can miss chances because you know you'll score the next one but if you don't score the next one it's bad play and we miss chance after chance after chance and we paid the penalty for doing so and it is bad play we haven't got a striker, it's a clinical finisher with Callum Mullison, not there.
1: You know, paying the price, I think, for not going and getting someone in the summer transfer window. Looking at the table, Wolves are 14th on six points. They beat Southampton last weekend with him and he's getting the goal. And we'll talk about him, the danger man, because he seems to be getting back to his best after that horrendous injury. But I'm just looking at the teams below Wolves Palace, Southampton, Leeds, Burnley, Norwich, obviously Newcastle in there at 17th. And, I just wonder who Newcastle are going to beat. And this is why this game against Wolves is so important because they've drawn against Southampton. They've drawn against Leeds. They've lost to Burnley in the Cup. You can say maybe Norwich is the team they'll beat, but I can't see them beating Palace whenever that game comes about. Wolves, I
0: think, is the one where they have to win this weekend because who who are they going to beat, John? I know. The, the The big worry is if you look at the next six games after this one, if you look at the next six games, we've got... Off the top of my head we've got spurs who it's very difficult to say. i know they've fallen off their perch but uh, they've still got song and Kane. they've got chelsea at home european champions we've got brentford who have started sensationally we've got crystal palace who have never lost at home we've got arsenal who are in the middle of a resurgence haven't started the season very badly they're beginning to fly um you look at that and the next one alongs Norwich, knowledge and that's the beginning of december we can't wait until Norwich to get our first win and i know you might get it unexpectedly at any time in that six match one but this is the time to strike we cannot have watford followed by wolves and not get our first win out of one of those two matches it, it it's just squandering chances like confetti in the wind and i mean this match it's like those that can't and those that dent not this match this weekend. I mean, Newcastle have conceded 14 goals in six league games. Wolves have scored three. There's only knowledge of scored less in the whole of the Premier League with two than Wolves. So Wolves can't score and we can't keep it out. It's the can't and the I mean not So whoever writes or wrong whoever uh, whether it's us because we keep a clean sheet or them because they scored uh, regularly they haven't scored at home they've won twice but they were both away at molyneux the records played three lost three no goals scored so we can't travel in fear we've got to take advantage of that they'll have got a huge lift by winning at southampton But then they'll remember they're at home. The fans will remember, the Wolves fans, that they've played three, lost three, and they've never seen them score the home crowd. So we must take advantage of that and not use it as an excuse.
1: Looking back at Watford, as you mentioned, John, Newcastle had plenty of chances. Didn't finish in the first half, they were really good. Oh. Second half, they kind of went off a little bit. They were fortunate, some would argue, not to actually lose that game. Obviously, King had the ball in the back of the net. Sure. Um, and then, obviously, Murphy went up and should have should have finished. I'm not really sure what he was doing. I think John Anderson on Boosie Rage Castle spoke for us all when he shouted, just put it put it yeah. in the back of the net. Um but there were some positives and I know we are sounding very negative on here, but I think like I think we're just being uh, we're just being, you know, we're just telling the truth. We're just looking at the yeah. reality of the situation. Yeah. yeah. But there were some positives. So let's talk about that. You know, they created a lot of chances, as we mentioned, Alan St. Maximum again looked like he was um well above Newcastle Station at the moment. Um, and he's performing really well this season. And you'd like to think if those chances come again against Wolves, this time more than one will end up in the back of the net.
0: Well you would like to think so um, it, it is difficult I mean Anson Maximum is what it's all about with Newcastle uh, the amazing thing is he's the greatest uh, hope to score in the, with Wilson not on the side and is the greatest hope of an assist now that's a huge lot to carry on your shoulders that you know you've got to make them and take them you're the man for both those things yet <laughs> I feel that he likes that he struts the strut doesn't he he likes to be the top dog he likes to be center stage on the microphone and not the the chorus doing the duo was behind the scenes he enjoys that but it is very important to us that he operates we've got to look on the positives you're right we've got to think sean longstaff's coming back a little bit to to what he was a long time ago pre-injury and um, he looked a lot, lot better. We've got to believe in Willick, who's a young lad who's going to get stronger with the more games he played and, if not revert to what he did last season, become a, th- a threat again as a finisher and get the odd goal. You can't expect him to get as many as he got game after game after game after game as a midfielder. But you've, you've got to look towards him. Uh, so you've got to take the pluses, um because if you don't where's your hope but at the same time you've got to be realistic and um they are paying a price for not doing something about the cover for wilson when they could have done something in the summer because uh it it really is shocking because we lost the body as well and Andy carroll uh, and didn't replace him but yeah, you've got to think Newcastle had twenty shots, not all on target, but twenty shots and scored one. You've got to think if they had twenty shots again it would surely they would score more than one. Um certainly if Jacob Murphy gets on, he won't try to dink the goalkeeper the next time. I mean he he could have knocked it down the side or he could have gone round the keeper and knocked it and then knocked it in the net. He tried to be clever and, and do and do the obvious thing that I mean, that's what Beardsley made a living out of, dinking a goalkeeper in that situation. Only he actually dinked him in the ball and in the back of the net. He didn't dink it into the keeper's hand. It's like when you take a penalty, you know, and you do a dink. If it comes off, you're, you're clever, confident, so-and-so. But when it doesn't come off, you off-look the biggest dickhead around. It, mm. And that, unfortunately, is what's happened with Murphy. He should have put his laces to it, no question.
1: I mean, of course, the last time Newcastle more new Murphy he was just getting back in the side, wasn't he? he scored that wonderful cheeky free kick. So yeah. while he while he missed this one against uh, Watford, I think we can look back to last season and just how many points he actually won Newcastle with some vital goals, and hopefully he'll correct these wrong this weekend and and, and grab Newcastle a goal. We mentioned there, John, the defense and how many casts have conceded, and yes, Wolves don't score that many goals. But as we mentioned as well, Jimenez getting back to his best. He's a dangerous, dangerous man. When he suffered that injury last season, he was out for a long, long time. Wolves suffered because, you know, Absolutely. a bit like Newcastle with Wilson out, they didn't yeah. have a man to replace their, their, their only one uh, goal scorer. And it, it's wonderful, you know, to see him getting back to his best. Hopefully he has a little bit of a blip this weekend. But he is the danger man, isn't
0: he? Oh, without a shadow of a doubt, because his quality, he's got virtually, he ticks virtually every box for a line leader. Uh, he's strong, uh, as he showed on the goal, and later on he just shrugs defenders off as if they're not there, in the way that Malcolm MacDonald used to do in his days. Um, he is clever. He's ice cold in front of goal. On the goal, y- you thought you're taking too long, you're taking too long. He- he cut it back inside and all the defenders went for a nice lolly uh, and then he stuck it in the net he is very very clever he has suffered as we all would a fractured skull and a centre forward with the ball in the air and you're challenging again of course you're going to be apprehensive that is nature it is your life you're talking about here and he had gone into his shell there's absolutely no question about that but the quality of the man is immense And it is a huge worry because he will pull our central defenders around, whether there are two or three. He'll pull them around and he'll be clever. And the one thing defenders, and especially our defenders, don't like is somebody that's clever. Uh, And he is that. And yes, he has suffered and he's looked a pale shadow of the player he was prior to the injury and that's totally understandable. But the way he took that goal down there, it was a poor match, Andrew. The match at Southampton, I watched it on the telly, was a poor, poor game between two very average sides. Uh, But all of a sudden, he lit it up and and won the game, and that's what he's capable of. And he'll be looking to follow that up and to do it at home because they haven't entertained at home at all.
1: Let's get on to a few stats. I feel like I should have a jingle for this. The first one I want to bring up, which I know will please you immensely. I don't know if you were watching Monday Night Football and they got out the stats for the weekend of the best performers over the, the Premier League I uh, didn't calendar. I heard about it. I didn't and, say uh, I your, heard about your, your favorite man was was on that list Joel Linton he won the most aerial duels and yeah. I'm just wondering over the past few weeks when he's been played out in that kind of that wide position
0: he, he is he looks more at home yes he does uh, I mean anybody would look more don't playing anywhere than playing the center forward the way he played center forward because and i'm not necessarily just having a go at him it's quite obvious that that is not his role and never has been and therefore why we spent 40 million and declared him a center forward and given the number 9 shirt beggar's belief because in germany he was better playing wide and did play wide uh, and that was putting so much pressure on the kid to play like a proper center forward at a club like ours where we have number nine legends and where we've had super mac and uh, big alan Shearer and war jackie and all the way back to huey gallagher i mean you know fearsome he is better out wide um the great worry is even if you're playing a three and he's wide on one side and and the almir wide on the other or something you need them to chip in with goals as well um, because your centre forward's not going to get them all. And he doesn't look like scoring at any stage and he looks almost apprehensive when, he, when he's when he got to shoot. He looks better out there because there's less shooting opportunities. And yes, I think his form has improved when he's played out wide. It's bound to, if you set the bar so low any little improvement you say oh the guy's improved and yes maybe he, he has but he he is still the club record buy and and that's frightening and um, that that's all you get for the club record buy and he, he won x y or z uh, headers in stats stats can be made to look absolutely anything whatsoever and the game is obsessed with stats now i mean when you think of him in the air, you don't think of him in the same way as you think of Andy Carroll in his pump, or that you thought of Alan Shearer, who scored with terrific headers. And Malcolm McDonald, who was a couple of inches beneath six foot, but was deadly in the air. I mean, he's not deadly in the air. Uh, he's, and at his height, he ought to be. Uh, but yes, let's not be too negative. Uh, he has look better out there and for that I'm pleased and for that I'm grateful because if he keeps getting picked and Steve Bruce does keep picking him then you want him to perform well because there's this myth there's this thing that Steve Bruce seems to have and other people seem to have about negativity that we all want Newcastle to lose the fans and the local press etc that's the biggest joke of the lot We care about Newcastle. It's because we care about that we keep on the case and we expect more than we get. But we don't want Newcastle United to continue to lose. Fans or press like myself don't want to be covering championship football next season. We want to be in the Premier League with a decent Newcastle United side. We are not being negative. We are being factual. Excuse me, Mr Bruce, how many games have Newcastle won this season? That is not our fault. For I mean, how stupid would we look if in every game we said, hey, Newcastle were terrific, Like, but we lost again. Newcastle were terrific, but we only drew at Watford. Um, it's called realism.
1: Mm, well, that's why this Saturday is a huge game. Continue on with the stats then. And this game is destined to be a 1-1 draw because... It's written. Yeah. Eight of uh, the 12 Premier League games have been 1-1. The last five have been 1-1. Newcastle have won just one of the past nine league games against Wolves. Uh, They've drawn six uh, and they've lost two. Um, And you have to go back to the championship days, 2017 when they won equally... Wolves have not won any of their past seven home league games against Newcastle United with five, uh, five draws and two defeats. You have to go back to 1993 uh, for Wolves' last win in the league. It, more new. So this game, by the stats, John, it's going to finish a draw. And it's going to be 1-1. So there's our score predictions for later on in the show. The job's
0: done. Yes, <laughs> most
1: certainly. But you, you would hope that Newcastle go there in the mindset that Wolves haven't won at home this season, that they are struggling, just like Newcastle are themselves, and that they understand the urgency of getting a win because we don't want to be coming uh, on, on next week where we'll do a little bit of a review of the season so far and talking about Steve Bruce once again talks about taking the positives from, from the game. Yeah. I was pleased for 30 minutes of it, I was pleased for half, you know, 45 minutes, whatever it is, and saying we've got to take the positives because, quite frankly, if we get into this international bit without a win, whatever minuscule positives that he's taken from the last seven games
0: are, you know, out of the window because Newcastle haven't picked up three valuable points oh i mean what matters now is just winning uh in almost not how you do it but just winning to get the monkey off the back i mean wolves under nunez were always cautious and like to be a counter-attacking team and if newcastle were cautious and a counter-attacking team it's just been a miracle that all these draws have been one-one instead of nil-nil and wolves don't score in the first half of games etc 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 Um The most predictable result, not just because of stats, but because of the way things are, is that Newcastle and Wolves will draw, regardless of the stats. That is the sort of setup. Um, But from Newcastle's point of view, that isn't good enough. If, If we end up with two draws against Watford and Wolves, we feel there's a missed opportunity there. And you do then say, what you just said earlier, Andrew, where does the win come from? Unless you fluke it in some way in one of the matches where they miss a penalty and have a bloke sent off and we're playing against 10 men and etc etc, You can fluke it. But where is it going to happen? It's got to happen this weekend. Sorry, Newcastle United. Sorry, the 11 players. Sorry, Mr. Boos. You win this weekend. That's what it's about. You win. I mean, the biggest
1: worry is, John, Last the last episode was titled, Where Newcastle United are you Gonna Win? yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and this time it's where's Newcastle going to win? No, the answer is they're going to win it. It wolves. That's the positivity we yeah. like. I just want to talk about
1: the start and eleven. Are you, are you just going to keep this the same start in eleven? You think, given the injuries, we don't know
0: what he is going to say. He might surprise us and, and welcome back one or two. You know, we know Dunnick. the way he surprised us by playing Willock down yeah. at the last game, having told us that he was out for a fortnight. Yeah, um, so that can always happen. I. Uh, <laughs> I honestly think if things remain the way they are and, i.e., you know, Wilson doesn't get off his bed of nails and suddenly play, and we've got no reason to think he will, uh, but if something like that doesn't happen, I think he'll basically go with the same team and say, well, they played so well at Watford, uh, we're going with that again. Um, And basically, there's not a lot of options that... would look an improvement that, he, that he's likely to go with. And I think he probably will go with the same again. It's then a matter of, can Newcastle keep their first clean sheet and can they score? Um, and it becomes as simple as that. Well, can they keep a clean sheet and can they can they score? Well, if, you, if they're going to keep a clean sheet at any time, the way Wolves play, i.e. they haven't scored at home in three matches, you can keep a clean sheet. Uh, I don't know what they would on ability Newcastle can if they could have kept a clean sheet at Watford they'd won but of course they, they got done on a set piece with um, Joe Willock going to sleep sleepy Joe unfortunately on the goal um, and the header went in and that was it um, yes they can keep a clean sheet because they're not facing uh, great strikers outside of Jimenez who's never been a, a 30 goal a season man and I think he's still not back yet, yet to the player he was pre-injury. And that is absolutely understandable because the injury was horrific.
1: There is a quote on the Wolves' website from Jimenez and he was asked whether he's looking to repeat his goal in the game against Newcastle. And he said, I'm going to look for that. I hope I can score again. It's going to be a tough match, but we know what we're playing. We know each other, but we're going to have to keep working for it. So understandable. he's keen to add to his tally. Um, Before we get the results prediction, although I've already alluded to what we both are going to pick, just a little word on the preliminary cat hearing, John, I know um, you were keeping tabs on it, that's Newcastle's, uh, one of Newcastle's legal battles against the Premier League, the hearing to see whether it actually goes ahead took place on Wednesday, we're recording this the day after on on Thursday, Uh, a few interesting things that came out of it, John, I was just wondering if anything caught your mind?
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, there was a couple of interesting things. Um, on the face of it, the threat that Newcastle could have been expelled from the Premier League is absolutely outrageous, taken at face value, not being explained any further. Uh, amazing, because you think of the, the, the slimy six who wanted a breakaway into their own European league, got their knuckles wrapped for suggesting that and actually going ahead and announcing that. But we are going to get thrown out of the uh, the league, possibly, at the time of the threat, because um, we want to be taken over. It is a nonsense. And the other thing that's really got me over all this and yesterday was, you know, apart from it taking so long for it to get so little clarity... I'm left with the impression that there's angles for everybody. That to play the Premier League angle is that they don't want to offend the six, and they don't want another superpower with the possibility of the Saudi money making us the six become seven because we become some sort of Manchester City, and they don't want. And there's a Saudi problem as well as rattling the cages of the six. So the Premier League's got an angle. Ashley's angle is not what is the best for Newcastle, it's what the best is for him. He wants out and he wants his pocket line with the biggest amount of money he can get, which is obviously this money, rather than another takeover if he's forced to go down that road. So Ashley's doing it for his pocket. The Premier League's doing it because they don't want another big hit in there. In the meantime, the club stagnate, go nowhere, rapid rate and not nowhere, and the fans suffer as a result, because the fans only care about the club. Ashley's only doing this for his money to get out, in the Premier League or defending it because they don't want what we could represent under Saudi, and in the meantime the club rot. And where does the club end up if they continue to rot in this way, and the fans suffer? I mean, the f- every football fan deserves hope. That is what being a fan is all about. And... This takeover being blocked, Ashley then stacking his hand 100% on the club while he waits for it, is taking away all the hope that fans could ever have. The cling on the little bits of flotsam that come out of yesterday, uh, in the hope, in the desperate hope, that this takeover will go through and then of course you get the, the loud mouse who are anti Newcastle United like Simon Jordan saying there's absolutely no chance and it's dead in the water or something you actually feel that he is rather smug and delighted when he says something like that um, but I mean I'm, I just bleed for the fans because that's basically what I am and what you are regardless of the job we're fans and we see the club suffering indefinitely while all this goes on And I wouldn't say, the Premier League are taking on Ashley. I don't think either actually care about NUFC. They've both got their own angles and their own uh, axe to grind. And in the meantime, Newcastle just lie and suffer. And it is awful to watch.
1: What I will say is that just to cover our backs there, the Premier League would probably argue that their issue is the separation and whether you can distinguish between the, the state and the PIF and not that they're defending the top six just to cover all angles there. Oh, I, I, um, th- I
0: think they would, but they've got to as well, haven't they? they? They've got to have a legit argument. They can have a legit uh, argument from their point of view, but then the bottom line is they don't care about Newcastle United and the fans and neither does Ashley. He cares about selling it and, and, and getting his 300 million. In the meantime, the club is rotting because it's not being looked after. No repairs are being done inside St. James's Park either to the team, the squad, or the ground and and, and the um, the kids' training facilities, etc., etc. The club is being allowed to rot indefinitely. And the sooner this is over, the better. And we dare not think about what if it doesn't happen because we start all over again and does Ashley then get interested in January and produce some signings or we don't know. it it's a long way to go. We're nearing the end of it and thank goodness for that. but we're no nearer clarity a hundred percent on what's going to happen.
1: Yeah if you want to hear more about the cats here and there's a podcast with myself and Mark Douglas which will be below this episode on your podcast platform. so do tune into that one. And there's also the Joe Harvey documentary which was released earlier this week uh, which goes through his life and career at Newcastle United with the help of the likes of Supermark, Bob Monker, Frank Clark and have everyone John Gibson as well. So please tune into that and give that a like and share as well. John, let's finish then with the results uh, predictor. How is this one going to end? <laughs>
0: Great question. It's got to end in a Newcastle win. The most obvious thing to say is it's going to end in a one-one draw because it always does, and I think a draw is the most obvious result that's likely. And mm-hmm. um, there's a big difference between what's got to happen and what actually does happen. And um, the one thing would then it contemplate is Newcastle losing it. I mean, we dare it contemplate that because the fortnight's going to be horrendous. I would have gone for a 1-1, and I was totally aware that that is the result that happens all the time, but that would be my genuine reaction to the situation, and I'm going to go for a draw and pray for a win. We don't do the score lines anymore, so I'm going for a draw, but praying, praying for a win, because... Um, it's needed, and it's as simple as because
1: that. Because the alternative is, is scary, essentially, isn't it?
0: Absolutely right. And the shame is that we didn't win at Watford because that would have, you know, another win could have been on at Wolves, or a draw would have been fine at Wolves if we'd won the previous one. Now, it's a must. It's a must win. How often do we say it's a must win? <laughs> but it. I'm em- laughing to myself here, John, because <laughs> a draw against Wolves would have
1: been fine had we beat Watford. And that just sends alarm bells ringing in my head. How far have you cast fallen oh, when we're saying that? We've got to be realistic. We have, and, no, we and, have.
0: And, and that is the way it is. And we know how far they've, uh, they've fallen. And we know how far they've fallen from the days... I mean, when you think of the entertainers and the Bobby Robson sites, which aren't a million miles away in the mists of time, it's not like the 50s when they won the Cup, or, or, or 69 when they won. It's not as far away as that. Um... But we accept what we are now. We know that, you know, four points out of those two games would look good. Realistically, it should be six points as automatic as you can get, but it isn't these days. And the realistic situation is that we can't afford to lose tomorrow. We'll probably draw, but we desperately need a win. That sums it up in a nutshell, and that's the truth of the matter.
1: Yep, I'm going to go for a draw as well, and I will break the rules and say 1-1. One, one. Um, <laughs> please remember to like and subscribe to the podcast and head over to chronicalive.co.uk where you can keep a date with all the latest Newcastle United news, including Cypress's press conference on Friday morning and all the fallout to that cat And as we've previously mentioned. Hopefully, next time we're on, John, we'll be talking about Newcastle United winning at Wolves. Yes. And hopefully, you guys enjoy your weekend.